Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. It's great to be here with you this morning. It was a little weird last week, wasn't it, not having church? Who missed church? I, I miss not having church. Uh, I can't remember if we've ever canceled church here before or not. Um, who has been loving the snow? A few people. Okay. <laughs> Those in Costa Rica really love the snow. <laughs> Who's hated all this snow? Okay, there's a few of those as well. Okay, those of you who love the snow, you can thank me. Those of you who hated the snow can blame me because I'm pretty sure the snow was my fault. <laughs> I'm that guy. You remember that nice weekend just before the snow hit? I pressure washed my deck. I pressure washed the driveway. I swept up the yard, raked out all the leaves, got it all looking great, and the next weekend it got dumped on. Yeah, I'm that guy. It's like the guy who washes his car in the springtime, and the next day you start a week of rain. <clears throat> As many of you know, uh, Brenda and I are going to be escaping the snow and the rain and moving to the sunny skies of Arizona. This is likely the last time I get to speak from here, unless Mike invites me up from Arizona sometime to, to guest. But... <clears throat> When Mike asked if I would fill this slot, because he was just coming back from this trip to Costa Rica and uh, didn't feel like he would have the time to prepare uh, for today, he asked if I'd fill this slot, and I said, that's perfect, <clears throat> because I'm going to be leaving shortly. I can say anything I want, and it won't matter, because I'm gone. <laughs> he got a little nervous, <laughs> but he left me on the schedule anyway. But you notice he made sure to get back from Costa Rica, so... <laughs> He could make sure that things didn't go off the rails here. Actually, uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I, we've had this plan to move for a couple of years, and I've been thinking about what would I want to share with this church before we go. So I've been thinking about it. It's been percolating in the back of my mind for quite some time, and, it, and the Lord, as he always does, he just kind of keeps forming the idea keep developing it. I've spent time in prayer, and this morning, I want to share with you what I feel like the Lord wants to challenge you with this morning. Over the past few weeks, you've been hearing a little bit about this thing called Discover Church, the church that we are going to become in a couple of months. It's more than just a name change. It's a change about how we think, about how we minister, how we serve, You'll be hearing more about the mission and vision for Discover Church as we move forward in the coming weeks. <clears throat> the, Discover mission, the, the Discover Church mission that the leadership has developed is a three-part mission. First, to inspire people to follow Jesus. There's a, there's a good reason why that's first. That's most important. The second thing is to help them discover new life in him. So they, we get them and inspire them to follow Jesus, and then we help them to discover that there's a whole new life when you're living for the Lord. And then third, collectively change our world. Discover church mission, inspire people to follow Jesus, discover new life in him, and change our world. This morning is all about how that mission can be realized. 
And I want to start with a, a little story that, that illustrates a scriptural principle. And that scriptural principle actually aligns with one of the values we have defined for Discover Church. We've defined about seven or eight different values uh, that are core things that will be part of and, and grow into be part of the DNA of Discover Church. That value is, one of those values is that we are better together. This value is about community, it's about supporting, it's about relationship, and it's about serving together in our neighborhood and beyond. The, scripture, the scriptural uh, background for that value is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, where it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And a couple verses later, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We are better together. And to illustrate that, I want to ask a couple of people, think back a couple of months. You remember we had those windstorms? Who had a mess in their yard they had to clean up? <laughs> yeah. How many of you cleaned it up all by yourself? <laughs> It was a lot of work, wasn't it? Yes. How many had the help of a spouse or a child? Even with one person, the work goes better, doesn't it? Even with the help of one person, things go faster, they go easier. You do a more thorough job. I know if I'm working on something by myself, I might skip over a few little things. You know, I don't need to sweep the walkway. That's okay, but I'll get this other stuff done, all these limbs picked up. Even with one more person, the job goes quicker. Now think about how that task would have gone if you had three or four friends come over to help. Boom, it'd be done and nothing flat, and you'd be out eating pizza. So much better when we're working together. And that is how the Discover Church mission is going to be accomplished, working together. You know, Celebration Center, as, as of last September, has been in existence for 25 years, a quarter of a century. And I've been here for most of them. Brenda and I have been here for about 21 of those years. And all over those years, I have heard prophecy spoken over this church. I have heard uh, things mentioned about how we would impact our community, about how we would grow. I've seen plans and visions developed. But I'd have to say that so far, we've, while we've seen some amazing things accomplished, we've only partially fulfilled everything that God has set before us. Now, I know it's been a month since we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and we're on to President's Day tomorrow. But I want to just for a moment, and I know I won't do him justice, but I want to co-opt Martin Luther King this morning just a little bit, because this morning I have a dream. I have a Discover Church dream. I have a dream that in this church, everyone who attends here is united under the banner of the Discover Church mission. I dream that we all are inspired by the vision of what we can be. 
And I dream that every single person who attends here uses their unique gifts and talents and experiences to impact our neighborhood. I dream that we are even more impactful because we are working better together. This is a dream where this church operates against all the statistical norms of the American Christian church. We come together in a powerful way, a church where everyone grows together in their relationship to Jesus. And the entire congregation, the entire congregation works together bringing their skills and experiences to impact our neighborhood in a powerful way. We, in this dream, are a church of action. We are not a church of we should, but we are a church of we are. We don't just talk about what we should do, we rally together and do those things we should do. We become relevant to those around us, providing support and service and hope to our neighbors. We become such a presence in this community that if we were to go away, if we ceased to exist, our neighbors would miss us. In fact, they would mourn the loss of Discover Church. My dream didn't tell me the specifics of what this is going to look like, the things we are going to do, because there are a lot of options in fulfilling that mission. You see, it's up to you to write that part of the story. I don't know if it's going to be a focus on thriving small group ministry that supports people as they work their way through life's twists and turns and trials, or maybe it's ministering to pregnant teens or serving in the homeless community, supporting our schools. We're already doing that, as, we, as you heard this morning. Maybe it's supporting marriage relationships. We're beginning to do that. Financial counseling. I don't know. Maybe it's some of those things. Maybe it's all of those things and more. When you stop and think about it, we have enough people that we could meet multitudes of needs in our neighborhood. We typically have, and I'm not sure if these numbers are, are accurate today, but 140 to 160, maybe more, adults in church every Sunday morning. A ministry team could be four or five people, could be seven or eight people working together on a common cause, a common mission. Just do the math. With 140 and 160 people here, Divide that by teams of eight, and we could have 15 to 20 ministry teams serving our community and making a huge impact on our neighbors. 15 to 20. That's amazing. When you stop to think about, though, what is needed to make this dream come true, you realize this is a big dream, a freaking big dream. And by the way, that aligns with another one of our Discover Church values. We want to dream big and release the dreamers to fulfill them. What does it take to see this dream realized? It starts with leadership. And I have to say that in my opinion, God has put in place the leadership that is exactly the right leadership to move us forward into this dreamland. With Pastor Mike... 
a staff that is adjusting to this Discover Church mission, the governing board and the core team, we have the leadership in place to do this. But what else is needed? We need followership. We need people who follow these leaders. And that means you, all of you. You know, I said in my dream that I saw a church that bucks the trends of the American Christian church. And I want to look at a couple of things. We're not going to spend too much time on these, but a couple of statistics that reveal some interesting insights to church in America. Barna Research Group did a study and looked at how Americans express their faith. And you'll see on the left-hand side of that, 75% of Americans who profess to be Christians pray to God. That's not too bad. I'm not sure why it's not 100%, but 75%. But then look, it drops right down. 35% attend church. If you go farther to the right, what I want to focus on, 18% volunteer at church. 18% is doing 100% of the work of the church. And if you go a little farther to the right, 16% attend a small group, which is one of the core things that we do here is have small groups so that we're supported, that we're strengthened, and we're encouraged to move forward. Now, I don't have the numbers to back it up, but just from observation, I would say that over the years, Celebration Center has had more than 18% of its attenders volunteering and serving in some way. And we thank you, those of you who do serve, who do many things around this place and in our community. But there's no doubt there's room for improvement. There's no doubt that there is a, there's a gap between those, the percentage of those who are volunteering and 100%. And why shouldn't we be at 100%? 100% of you volunteering, offering your gifts, serving in the area of your heart's passion. Another statistic that just kind of blew me away a little bit, but uh, didn't really surprise me. And I don't want to make a big deal out of giving this morning, but I do think that giving is an important indicator of what's important to you. In fact, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's an indicator of what's important to you. According to pushpay.com, anywhere from 10 to 25% of a congregation are tithers. So what's a tither? A tither is measured as those who give at least 10% of their income to the work of the church. Somewhere between 10 and 25%. The research also includes that on average, if you take all Christians, all, all the members of a congregation, they on average give 2.5% of their income to the church. I tell you, for this dream, this Discover Church dream to become a reality, we need to blow those percentages out of the water. Giving to the mission of Discover Church is a measure of our investment in the vision. In my dream, we blow those numbers out and we have the resources to do so much more.
Those things are a little bit sobering, but there's a bigger challenge, I think, in today's church. You do a search on the internet and look up information about church attendance, and what you find is that, I don't know over the period of time, it's really been changing for quite some time, but church attendance has trended to a consumer mentality for attending church. People attend and shop for churches that they feel will best serve them as opposed to where they best can serve. I loved Ashley's story this morning. What attracted her and her family here to Celebration Center was the fact that we serve, and there was an opportunity for her. The goal of a consumer attender is to find a place where they like everything that goes on. They're comfortable with what happens. They like the worship. They like the environment. They like the special effects. They like the lighting that Jeff did for us this morning. <laughs> they find things that they like, and that's where they go because it serves their interests. We look for a church as a consumer that fits our preferences. If it fits what we think is right, then that's the right place for us. Now, there's nothing wrong with finding a church that you're comfortable with and finding a worship style that fits your style. But that's only part of the equation. If you stop there, that mentality tends to lead to those statistics we just talked about. Consumers are at church more for what they can get out of it than what they can put into it. I pray and I dream that Discover Church will not be filled with consumer attendees. My dream requires that Discover Church will be filled with servers, those with servant hearts. Now, some of you might be getting a little uncomfortable about now, and I'll just acknowledge that, but my goal this morning is not to lay a guilt, guilt trip on us, not at all, but to set a foundation that I hope will be encouragement for you that we can do this. We can do this. We can increase our followership, followership and make that big dream a reality. As you look through the New Testament, there is a lot of instruction to the early church from the apostles. And we can learn a lot about what the church is and how it should function and the role we all play in it. Paul liked to use the analogy of a human body to describe the church and the role of each church member. And I like that comparison because a human body is a living organism, a living, breathing thing that responds to the environment around it. And it grows and it matures and learns as it goes through life. So let's read what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I want to pause right there for a minute. Each member belongs to all the others. I think that's a whole nother sermon that maybe we could preach when you stop and think about that. 
your hand or your foot belongs to all the other parts of your body. You all belong to the person on your right and the person on your left and the person behind you. We are all part of the same body. I won't get off into that other sermon now. I don't have time. <laughs> Going on in Romans, <clears throat> we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging him, encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Usually, when we read this passage, we talk about the fact that we each have different roles in the church. And that's true, and that's an important message of that passage. But too often, we miss another very important message in that passage. Paul is telling us that it was expected that every member of the body participates that we all are involved, because after all, we're connected together. We're part of the same body. Everyone would be involved and offer their unique function to contribute to the strength and functioning of the whole. When we are part of the body of Christ, just like in a human body, if we cease to function, then the whole body suffers. Anybody who's been injured, broke a bone, or done something like that, you know the whole body is affected when even one part doesn't work correctly. We are expected to offer our gifts, serve our function, so the whole body works. And this isn't a forced thing. It isn't something that you have to force yourselves to do. It just is out of the natural outflow of who you are, bringing what it is that you have. Remember, Paul said... If your gift is one thing, then do that. But if your gift is something else, then do that something else. Don't force it. Just be what God has intended you to be. So what gets in our way of realizing the dream of Discover Church? What stops us from achieving everything that we can achieve? There are a lot of reasons that that we don't all pitch in and serve our function in the church. I'm just going to talk about three of them this morning. So many times, I can't tell you how many times, when I've had a conversation with somebody and I've asked them to consider being involved in some, something here at the church, that what I hear back is some variation of, well, I really want to, but I just don't have the time. I'm too busy. Anybody here busy? Come on, I know you're all busy. We're all busy. We're busy with our jobs, with our families, with our hobbies, our favorite TV shows, whatever it is that fills up our time to the max. We're all busy. How can we possibly spend any time doing something in church? We don't have any time. It's all full. They can't possibly expect me to do something more when I don't have it to give. 
But there's a key to maximizing your time. It's to explicitly determine your priorities and evaluate how you spend your time and decide what is most important. You know, <clears throat> we probably, most of us, we spend a lot of time figuring out how we're gonna deal with our finances. We may, some of us are good budgeters, someone just know that they've gotta be careful. Variety of ways that we manage it, but we are very careful and we, we figure out what's most important to spend our finances on and what we can do with what's left. That same discipline needs to apply to the resource of time. Figuring out what's most important, where you should put your time. Now some people, a lot of people might put their priority list something like this. God number one, family number two, their self number three, and others number four. Not a bad list, but I'd like to make an important modification to that. I would say self could be 3A and others would be 3B. Or maybe the other way around. It really doesn't matter because from my perspective, the priority of self equals, should equal, the priority of others. And if that, if you're not quite sure about that, if that doesn't set real well with you, let me point to scripture. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. The priority of interests in yourself equals the priority of interests in others. You know, Pastor Micah spent some time talking about the one another verses, and he hit on, what, five or six of them, and there's probably a couple dozen that instruct us how to deal with one another, but how to treat each other both inside and outside the church. But the, the point I'm making this morning is that our investment of time in ourselves should be equal to the investment in our time in others. So evaluate. How much time do you spend beyond the time you invest in your relationship with God and beyond the time that you serve your family? How do you spend the rest of that time? And find a way to split your time between yourself and others. I'm confident that every one of us could find a little bit of time to carve out to make a little space to serve the Lord in some capacity. Another conversation that I have frequently, over and over again, when I ask somebody to, again, take on some role, to do some job, to do something I think that uh, they'd be really good at in the church, I hear some variation of, I'm not quite ready or qualified to do that yet. People feel they aren't quite ready to take on something in the church because maybe they aren't quite where they want to be in their spiritual development. Sometimes we think we need to be Bible scholars. We need to be able to pray eloquently. We, we think that these things are requirements before we can do things in the church. Nothing could be further from the truth. God will take a willing rookie 
over a self-involved Bible scholar any day and do amazing things with them. And if you don't believe that, just read the story about the disciples that Jesus picked. How much time, how much training did they have before they started serving with Jesus? Jesus didn't send them to discover ministry school for years or to instay for years before they went on the road with him. He just said, come and follow me. That doesn't mean discover ministry school or instay and those other things aren't valuable. They just aren't a prerequisite. He just asked them to follow him, and they followed, and they learned. They learned by watching. They learned by listening. They learned by doing. And it wasn't long before Jesus said, you guys are ready, and sent them out on their own to minister on their own. There's always a place for a willing follower. No matter where you are in your personal spiritual development, join with others. Watch and learn. Work alongside them for a while until soon you find that you're able to lead something in an area you're really passionate about. And here's something I've always, always found to be true. When you are serving, you are growing. Waiting for growth to occur before you serve is backwards. Serving always drives you closer to the Lord and growing in ways that just aren't possible if you're sitting on the sidelines. Serve the Lord. Grow in the Lord while serving. You're qualified. You don't need any special credentials to come and serve. The last thing that I hear most often when I talk with folks about getting involved is something along the lines of, I don't really know what God wants me to do. The question is really, where do I fit in? You see, unfortunately, too often, jobs in the church or, or things in the church, they, they happen because people hear there's a need, and so they say, I can do that, and they step up and they fill that need, not out of a passion they have in their heart for doing it, but because the church has a need. And that's good, and that's well-intentioned, but here's what's ha what happens. If the area you are serving in is not in line with your heart's passion, it becomes a burden, it becomes a chore, and it leads to burnout. And when you burn out, then you quit. And sometimes those who burn out and quit never come back to ever volunteer in the church again. To realize my Discover Church dream, we all need to find a place to serve that stirs our heart. Doesn't matter what it is. We have all kinds of things that need to be done, whether it's being the best parking lot attendant you ever saw, whether it's being a greeter and shaking people's hands and, and smiling at them when they come in, small group leader, being a janitor here at the church. This place needs a lot of cleaning. Involved in a community ministry project, project like weekend backpacks or whatever. Find a place that you are excited about, and then it'll be a joy to you. You may even find that serving in an area of passion 
for you brings refreshment, not burnout. A couple of stories I'll just point to. Um, she didn't know I was going to mention this, but Vanessa, a few months ago, I asked about speaking at Willow Gardens, the retirement community where I serve, uh, have been serving for the last seven years. And her eyes lit up at the opportunity. She has a heart for that demographic, for that people. And she's gotten involved and now has a regular rotation speaking at Willow Gardens and, and, uh, and ministering to the folks there. Now, it's only been a couple months, so we don't know the measure yet. But I suspect she's not going to burn out doing that because it's a joy. And you can see it when I sit there and watch her speak to those people. You can see it. The same is true for Joe and Lindsay Chumley. So a lot of you may not know them because they're always doing stuff. They're either over at Willow Gardens or they're upstairs ministering to the kids. Um, but the same thing. In fact, Joe subbed for Vanessa earlier this month uh, at Willow Gardens because Vanessa had a sick child. And Vanessa was willing to trade. She was willing to say, okay, I'll take your Sunday over there. Joe said, no, I love my time with Willow Gardens. I'll just go ahead and do my regular time too. If you find a place that your heart is excited about, it will be a joy. It will be refreshing to serve the Lord. Now, if you don't know what that is, and I understand that, because for a long time I didn't know what things the Lord wanted for me. There are things you can do to figure out where your passion lies. Some of those are things the church can help with. We have resources that can help you identify your giftings and your leadership capabilities and your spiritual profile, your personality type, and all these kinds of things, and they can help. But even before doing any of that, there's two simple questions you can ask yourself that might help lead you into where your passion is. The first one, when you think about our community or our church, what really makes you mad? Seems like an odd question, right? But what really makes you mad? What things do you wish would never happen to our neighbors in our community? Or what is the church not doing that upsets you because you think we should? Maybe that's an important area, a thing you're passionate about that you could do something about. You see, most people don't bother getting mad at things that don't matter. If it's something that really ticks you off, then maybe it's important to you. Maybe it's an area of passion and an indicator of something you can do and get involved in. So ask yourself, what really makes me mad when I think about how we serve our community, when I think about what our church does? The second question is this. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? This is the dreamer question. What have I always wanted to do for the Lord, but I've been afraid to try because I thought I'd fail? I thought it wouldn't work, wouldn't be successful. You may have dreamed about something to serve others, but never took it on because of that fear. This may be an area of passion for you. Let me encourage you to take it on, to go for it. Be like the disciples who just jumped in and got started walking with Jesus. The Lord tugged their heart, and they didn't let fear stop them. Something else that I've found to be true 
is that we learn who we are in practice, not in theory. Jumping in and serving will help you determine if you found your passion or maybe found an area that simply isn't for you. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a failure if you try something and find out that doesn't float your boat. That's not my thing. That's okay. Chalk it up as a learning experience, a good thing. You may realize that whatever it was you tried isn't for you, but you probably will learn something about what is important to you. And that might focus you on a new direction, a new area of service. So if you're not sure where God wants you, get involved in something and see if God molds your heart to that thing or directs you in another direction. Yes, I have a Discover Church dream. And I hope it's your dream too. Because all you can make it happen. By managing your time, determining your priorities, being <clears throat> willing to experience growth while serving, not waiting for those credentials to get filled in, and finding your passion, your passion and aligning your service with it. We can do this. We can be the Discover Church of our dreams. I want to leave you with a picture or a metaphor for what Discover Church will be like as it realizes its mission and vision. I see this church being like white blood cells. Do you know what white blood cells do? You know what their purpose is? Their primary function is to protect the body from infection and foreign materials. When your body gets injured, your brain sends white blood cells to that area of the body to begin the fight for healing. I just tore a chunk out of my knuckle last week, and my body sent white blood cells to my finger to protect it from being infected. It never did get infected. I see Discover Church members seeing needs and seeing hurts or maybe faulty philosophies in our neighborhood and like white blood cells are sent to go to that place of hurt, that place of need, to go to work, to fight for the healing and the well-being of those involved. We are sent to fight for the Lord. Now, Church of the White Blood Cells doesn't have a very good ring to it, so I think we'll stick with Discover Church. But hopefully we operate like white blood cells. Mike, would you come up? At Discover Church, Pastor Mike will lead and encourage and ask you to be part of the mission. That mission will only be fully realized to the extent that you as the body of Christ fulfill your role. Without you... Mike and the staff will simply just get burned out. You'll be going to Costa Rica every other week. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> and many things will get left undone because they can only attend to the big things. If we don't have you all joining in, creating a team that carries the workload, 
each serving in an area that sparks their passion, if we don't have that, we will fall short of realizing this dream. I have a Discover Church dream. Will you join me, Pastor Mike, and the leadership in dreaming that dream? I want, when Brenda and I come back to visit somewhere down the road, that we see that this dream wasn't just a pipe dream, but a prophetic vision of what we could be. That it's come to fruition through your action, the members of Discover Church. And you know what? This doesn't have to wait. It's going to be a couple months before we roll out that name. You're going to be learning more in the weeks ahead about what all that means. But you can start this process of discovery of your passion and your serving. It could start this very week. God doesn't care what the name is on the door just right now. What he cares is that we follow him in serving those around us. I want to leave you with one last quote. John Maxwell is a Christian business leader and written a number of books. He's a sought-after speaker. Simple little quote. He says, your dreams don't work unless you do. Your dreams don't work unless you do. You and only you can make the Discover, dream, Discover Church dream come true. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Whew. Hopefully you were challenged this morning. I know I was challenged. I had a, uh, a picture as Dave was speaking. I, when I was in college, I was, uh, as a newlywed. We are just getting ready for our one-year uh, anniversary, and I was playing basketball because I was in better shape. And, uh, and I got fouled uh, hard, and the guy fell underneath me. And long story short, I stepped on him and sprained six ligaments in my ankle, and I was in a cast. And, uh, and it was a bummer because we were coming up on, like, our first year anniversary, and no one wants to be in a cast on their anniversary or whatever, you know. But also, I'm a college student living in the dorms, and, and, uh, and uh, we live on this hill, and it's very difficult to get around. And so I had a crutch, and I was hobbling up and down the hill, and then... Uh, I can't remember how, but I managed to hurt my shoulder at the same time. Come on now. And so now I have a crutch that's helping me, but it hurts to use the crutch. And so now I don't want to even go up. Now I have an excuse. Come on now, every sophomore in college, uh, to not even go to class, right? And so then a couple of my buddies were like, well, we'll bring you to class. And so they're hauling me up this hill to get to class. And that was fun for like a class. And then they were like, yeah, no, no, sorry, bro. We're not going to do that all day long, right? And the picture that I had as Dave was sharing was just at, at, when the body isn't functioning, other places get extra strain. And then those other places feel that extra strain and then they start to not function. And pretty soon you have a catastrophic thing where someone from the outside has to carry you. And then that gives, and then suddenly there's this picture of me just sitting in the room going, wow, probably not gonna need that class anyways. <laughs> And pieces of the dream start getting left on the shelf and on the table. And, and, and there's something beautiful about the way our body works when every piece comes together and does its part. And the strain that happens everywhere else when that's not happening is, uh, is unfair and is difficult. And I think what Pastor Dave shared so well is that we're all invited as part of the body to do our part. And you may not think it's important. You may not think that ligament in that ankle is significant. No one sees an ankle ligament. 
doing its part until it's not doing its part. Come on now. But we all recognize a limp. We recognize a body that has a limp. We recognize a church that has a limp. We recognize all of those things. And I, I just love the picture of us being able to come together for such a time as this, to see God move in our body, to do all the things he wants to do in our neighborhood and beyond. And I, I love that picture. Um, I was just praying and thinking, and uh, Habakkuk, which is a book in the Bible that you may not be familiar with because no one thinks about Habakkuk very often. He's one of those lonely prophets that doesn't get too much attention from the front. But uh, he prays at the end of his letter. He writes a letter complaining about how the state of the world isn't always where he'd like to see it. And he's wondering what God's doing in the midst of it. And sometimes I'm drawn to Habakkuk. We'll probably preach Habakkuk next year uh, because I think we all get in a point. Sometimes we're like, God, what are you doing in the midst of all this? And he prays at the end of his letter and he opens his prayer this way. And I want to kind of close our time with his prayer. And he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I've heard of what you've done, God. I've heard, I've, I've, I've read letters, I've seen shows, I've heard stories. I know who you are. I know you do big things. I know you change lives and you change churches and you change neighborhoods and you impact things. I've heard of your fame. And then he says, and I stand in awe of your deeds. It's like, I recognize that the things you can do, God, so far outpace even my dreams of what could be. You're that big. I stand in all of your deeds. And then his prayer is this, and I want this to be our prayer as we move forward. He says, repeat them in our day. And in our time, make them known. And remember your mercy. I'm praying that the God of the universe who spoke and created, who said, let there be light, and light is still stretching across the cosmos from that moment today, that that same God who we've heard of his deeds and we stand in awe, we're here because of his deeds. Are you kidding me? That we'd see him repeat those things in our day, in our body, in our neighborhood. And that we'd partner together to just watch what the Lord might do with that. And that's the dream. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Pastor Dave. And Thanks for challenging us and, and reminding us that we're called here for such a time as this. Jesus, we recognize in the midst of all of our stuff and the stormy weather and all of the things going on, it'd be very easy to just kind of say, you know, in, in another time down the road in another season will you do something big for right now I just need to get through this and we could become so just myopic we could just lose sight of the things and the impact that you want to have in this moment and we could miss it because we just didn't have eyes to see I pray you'd give us eyes to see break the hardness of our heart break our hearts for what breaks your heart Give us, God, this dream to literally inspire people to follow you, to discover the new life you have, God, for them and in us. Help us to change the world, but not just the world, our world, as we want to see your hand move in our time in this place because we know you want to do it. So we're just ready to partner. Give us, as Pastor Dave said, give us... Give us righteous anger 
towards what must be. Help us to recognize that we don't have the gift of criticism when we see things that make us angry, that it's actually to motivate and move us to put our hands and feet to work for your glory. Give us a heart to dream, to see what must be and could be. Inspire us, bring us together as one and help us to have the kind of unity that you prayed for when you prayed forward in history and said, God, I pray that, Father, I pray that you'd be one just as you and I are one. Give us that John 17 kind of unity to get it done. And then we just trust you. We recognize it's not our strength, it's your strength. And it's a joy to just partner with you and see what the Lord would do. And we want to pray like Habakkuk prayed. God, we heard of your fame. We stand in awe of who you are and what you can do. And we invite you to repeat those things in our day. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen and amen.